This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. In order, in my perspective, to succeed with investing, you have to have a long-term mindset to do so. And what that really means is you have to become good at controlling this inner ego and and really controlling fear and greed so that your emotions don't get in the way of your money. Then once you have that kind of ready, I start going uh, through the concepts of planning your dollars. Welcome back to another episode of the Sticks and Stones podcast. Holy, am I excited and glad that you were tuning into this episode. If you're new here, what an episode to welcome you in on. My name is Stone Fredrickson, the host of this show, and I like to discover and explore the different minds and lifestyles of very successful content creators, entrepreneurs, and investors uh, to provide you with as much valuable information so that you can become successful. And of course, myself. We've been having a different structure slash format in the podcast recently where I just hit record when the guest joins and it's a lot more authentic. It's a lot more organic and we just roll with it. Um, if you've been, you know, tuning in for a while now, you already know that, but back onto the guest, Mikey Taylor, huge game changer. He's the president of commune capital, which is a private equity real estate investment firm, uh, that, that owns over $200 million worth of commercial real estate. Uh, but not a lot of people know that Mikey was a professional, skateboarder, one of the most recognizable professional skateboarders on the planet, uh, with dealing with lucrative sponsorships with uh, DC Shoe Company, GoPro, Alien Workshop, having over 100 signature skateboard decks, seven pro model shoes. I mean, this guy was insane and still is <laughs> insane. We talk about his journey as a professional skateboarder, those sponsorships, and then uh, getting out of that kind of journey of, journey of his life. And leading into um, the brewery company that he started up and then going into Commune Capital and then content creation. We talk about all these things, real estate, content creation, uh, financial literacy, the mindset of money, finance, finance and everything like that. Um, and then we talk about his investments. Everything to do with Mikey is going to be in the description as well as my socials. So make sure to check all those out um, and make sure to subscribe to the podcast, guys. Uh, a lot of people are viewing and watching the, the episodes but are not yet subscribed. And if you're watching, if you're listening, you know, make sure to write, rate the podcast five stars on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you're on YouTube, make sure to like the video so that way I understand that you guys like this type of content and you guys want me to continue to put it out uh, because I love doing it. You know, and I want to see some. Uh, I want to see some feedback from you guys. Also, if you guys have any questions or anything you would like to chat in the comment section, be sure to do that. I check all of those. Um, super excited and and glad that you guys are tuning in in this episode. Uh, hope you enjoy. Now let's get into it. But dude, you're doing so much. You're like, you're uh, the commune capital. You, you got uh, the education. You, you're posting a bunch of content, podcasts. Like, what it, what is like the main focus right now? Like, what are you what are you really? Uh, like what, what, what all are you doing? I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, but the, <laughs> the add on is, uh, we have three kids. Uh, we have a fourth about to be here next month. That's awesome. So Congrats. there's that going on. Thank you. Um, and then I'm also running for city council in my kind of area. Not that many people know that yet. Uh, so that's, that's awesome. kind of what's been added onto the plate. 
but from a business standpoint, it's pretty much just commune. It's building commune yeah. and anything we can do on social, uh, at least on like the, you know, financial education side, that's kind of our give back in a sense. So that's it. That's it. I, I, I'm a full plate with all that. So with commune, is it like really the, it's, it's really uh, storage units, right? Yeah. Is that your, your main focus or we have, th we have three platforms. So the, okay. we have a debt portfolio where we lend uh, short term debt on commercial real estate. We have a storage platform, which is what you're speaking of. And then we have a multifamily uh, platform as well. So those are kind of the, the three. Um, right now, though, our biggest driver is multifamily. Storage mm -hmm. uh, has gotten a little bit difficult finding deals as of lately. Uh, lending, we were on the verge of potentially winding this thing down. And then now everything going on with the Fed, maybe, you know, opportunity gets spun up again. Yeah. But multifamily is kind of where the action is at least on our business right now what are you what, what are you seeing moving like what are you seeing with the real estate market and everything like that like uh where do you see it going with like what's going on with interest rates yeah just like every you know and then you got prices all the way up rents going all the way up right. you know, do you think it i mean coming down or especially <laughs> commercial like how does residential and commercial kind of differ there yeah that's a good question so residential is going to be the first thing to move residential moves really quick uh, you okay. know, not as quick as the stock market, but uh, it's it's very fast in comparison to how real estate moves. And then from there, when you start moving into commercial, commercial is actually pretty slow. Uh, and then each asset class, I think, is typically impacted differently during kind of downturns. But speaking of like the interest rate for right now, uh, on residential, we're already seeing it kind of uh, create a slowdown. And, you know, in some markets, you are seeing kind of price corrections happening. But what you're kind of looking at, at least on the residential side, is we inflated the asset so beyond the actual value that that value has to be taken out. I, I just don't view that as, as actual value. It's call it COVID value or, you know, yeah. printing an un ungodly amount of money, uh, value, whatever. So I think that's going to come down for commercial. It, look, there's uncertainty in commercial, and that's primarily because of how cap rates move or, or or how cap rates work with interest rates so typically if interest rates rise cap rates need to follow because an investor needs to find some type of spread between interest rate and cap rate for us to make money right or for us to cash flow and so as interest rates start to rise cap rates haven't moved yet and so it, it gets very difficult to make a deal work if you're trying to buy either a stabilized asset or even like exchanging something right now like if you're if you were in an environment where debt was you know a lot lower now you have to consider that moving in and it's it's uncertainty for sure yeah yeah i mean it's nuts the whole market's nuts i mean especially with like stocks and crypto too um i mean everything is down it's 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 crazy um so on realist so in our in our real estate right in storage and multifamily we haven't mm -hmm. seen a price correction at all okay yet, zero uh, we're, it's probably going to take a while for us to start seeing some type of movement, but why, why does, why is real estate like, uh, slow? Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, there's a, there's a couple factors, but you know, when you, when you think about the process of transaction, right? Like let's say something happens with the stock market, you can sell your stock immediately, right? right. Think about the process to sell, uh, uh, an asset. It takes a lot of time. 
right? Yeah. So just the time for you to put something up uh, on the market, to do your due diligence, to get your financing, that slows things down right there, right? Got it. And then with commercial real estate, you're it's a different game than residential, right? Residential trades off of comps, right? Like if you have your house and you want to put it up for sale, you're going to try to figure out a value based on another home that was sold in your market that's similar to yours, right? On commercial real estate, it moves more like a business. It's like the more revenue that you can create, the higher the value you're going to get. So in scenarios where you have long-term investors and you know price corrections happen like this, it might not even affect us because we might not be selling any of our assets. Got it. And so it, it just, it, it moves a little bit differently, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. And I'm, I'm curious, like, are you, are you more of a fan of like commercial or, or, or residential? Like just per, personal preference. Commercial, but the, the only kind of component of that is we do multifamily, but multifamily above five units is in, it's technically considered commercial. Uh, yeah. So that's like a residential arm of commercial. So we still hold to all those type of valuations. I like residential sense. for the fact of uh, it's a need mm-hmm. and it's, you know, th- this is where people live. So, you know, a home is so much of an experience and I like right. that it's a little bit more creative in a sense where look, storage units, man, it's, we're, we're just creating a bunch of garages. <laughs> like yeah. there's nothing very sexy about it. Uh, residential, you can do some cool stuff. Yeah, well, and I feel like in in terms of like a buying standpoint, residential is more of like you're looking for a home, you're looking for you know, kind of like uh, an own place for you to put your furniture in and everything like that. But I feel like when you're buying commercial real estate, you're just really focusing on obviously the property and everything like that, but more on like numbers. Are you going to get an ROI out of this? Uh, you know, cash flow, things like that, right? It it it's very emotionless. It's, yeah, it's you, you, it, it's all it is. It's black and white. Do the numbers work? Yes or no. Now you can engineer the numbers. That's where people start getting in trouble. Like, you know, when you're underwriting something, a deal might not work. And then you could just add more debt to try to get it to work. So you can you can mess up even if you're trying to just base it off the numbers. But yeah, you're you're not buying for the same reason you're buying a home. Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> How did you get into all of this? I mean, because you were professional skateboarder um, for a while. And then you like, how did you learn about all of this, like real estate and, and then later on financial literacy, you know, you talk about a lot about money and and we'll get into content creation a little bit later, but how did you get into all of this? So it, it really, how old are you? 18, 18. So a a year from now in in your world, right? A long time ago. Um, that's when I became pro and as a skateboarder. And when I became pro, my parents kind of panicked. Like they were so like, this is not the right path for you. You need to go to college. Like, what are you doing? And, you know, one thing they recommended that I did and they recommended it very strongly was that I went and found some help financially. Right. And like, look, I, I like people maybe think pro skateboarders make a lot of money. We didn't make any money. I was making like 800 bucks a month. Right. And she was like, you need to have somebody helping you. So right around 19, I connected with this guy and he helped me create a budget. He helped me, uh, like kind of start creating the discipline before I was making a lot of money. I started learning loosely about investing, but I wasn't interested yet. I was just scared of what was going to happen after skateboarding. So I would just listen and do. And then the interest actually started coming a little bit later. Uh, it, it, it was kind of probably right around the financial crisis. 
the uh, 2007, 2008 scenario. Yeah. And basically, you know, we go through a freaking massive downturn and everyone around me is in like full panic mode. And then it, you know, wears off on me. I'm scared. So I called him, his name's Randy. I'm like, Randy, do what the hell are we doing? All of my stocks, I want to sell them all. Like, let's sell everything. You know, and I kind of hit him with this, like, I don't want to lose more than I've already lost. And he said something so profound to me. and, And I didn't like it when he said it, but this is what he said. He was like, look, Mikey, we're not selling anything. We're actually going to buy. And and then this is when he hit me with the gem, right? He's like, remember how we we were working on building your emergency fund? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, remember how we started working on a cash reserve? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that cash reserve was meant for times like this. This is our opportunity cash. So we're going to buy. And look, I know all the Warren Buffett quotes. I know all about opportunity uncertainty, right? When it happens, though, it's terrifying. I was scared shitless. And so I was just like, all right, Randy, let's do it. And then all of a sudden, I made a ton of money through that scenario. So kind of it taught me two things. One, uh, yes, there truly is opportunity in the uncertainty. Two, it's going to be scary, and you really have to hold on to your discipline. But three, on the other end of it, that's when I started getting really interested in this. I was like, dude, this is pretty rad. And then fast forward, uh, the first business I started was a craft brewery and we didn't have enough money to do it myself. I had two partners, so we had to go raise capital. And so raising money, having to like, you know, implement our business plan, go out and create, that's where I learned the majority of one business and two, how money moves in business and what it's like to take dollars from, uh, whether it's private equity or people. And then from there, I was like, oh my gosh, I, my next business will be in investing, you know? And then it just kind of, eventually I started a private equity firm. That's, that's amazing. So you started that, uh, after you sold the the brewing company, like around 2015, right? Yeah. We sold the brewery in 2015. Uh, I started working on this company in 2016 Got and it. then into 2017, we started at the end of 17, I think. And then where does content come into place? When did you start creating content for you and like Commune Capital? All right. So this one, this is one of those turn of event type of moments for me, right? I started creating content when I was skating. And like when we were trying to get ourselves out there, we the, the only means that we could do so were in magazines and in like videos. And I was the type of skater who would try to get more content out than others, but I wouldn't have the means to get it out to the public. And so right when like Facebook and Twitter and then Instagram started popping, it was like, for me, oh my gosh, I'm going to skip the magazines. I'm going to skip the videos and I'm just going to put all the stuff on social. And when I did that, it was so frowned upon people like my industry was tripping on me. And then all of a sudden, like my brand itself just started growing at a way faster rate. And I probably became larger than like my actual talent could, (laughs) you know, hold. But it, it kind of changed my view on the power of content creation, but I was only doing it through the lens of creating skateboarding content. Then when we started the brewery, uh, we built the whole brewery off Instagram. Like that that wow. was our entire marketing budget. And you know, back then, 2011, there was no influencer marketing. There was no like ambassadors. And we had that by fluke. And the thing just exploded. We, we were, we were, it was straight like rocket ship vertical, like what the crypto bros say, like to the moon, it was to the moon. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, moving into this company now, uh, I knew content had to be a strategy. 
I didn't want to be the face of it though. That's the weird part. Like I just wanted to be the entrepreneur that was going to, you know, highlight the brand like I did with St. Archer. Um, and I wanted to get all of my friends who were going to be investors to highlight them and you know mm. talk about how they use money. And I couldn't get anyone to do it. No one wanted to talk about money. And I was just like, holy shit, my entire strategy is basically killed. And so I just like, okay, I guess I'm doing it. And so I just basically jumped out there and started talking about money. Not even one of my plans. I wasn't even planning on doing it. What that, I mean, how do you, how do you overcome the, the, like the, not necessarily fear or whatever it might be an insecurity, but like, uh, the, not the want to, to be in front of the camera. What, what made you say, or what made you get up on there and, and do it? Was, well, you know, was it just because no one was doing it or? You, well, it, it wasn't that I, like I, I've been in front of the camera for a long time. Right. right. So I didn't have to figure out the, like, uh, I didn't have to work through the fear of being in front of it. What I was trying to trying to capture is what we did with with the brewery with St. Archer. Um, all of our investors, because we were skaters, we didn't know how to raise money. We raised money from our friends and our family. And I had a lot of skater friends. My partner Josh had a lot of surf friends and snowboard friends. We ended up getting musicians, so we had this like big group of investors that we then used to highlight their story to help push our brand, right? Mm. And that strategy worked really well for us. So when I uh, was building out my business plan for Commune, that was the marketing strategy. It was go get my community in as investors and let's tell their stories, but let's talk about what they do with money. Let's make like financial literacy cool. But I wanted to do it as the, the total. And uh, it, I just couldn't get them to do No one was comfortable talking about money. And so it wasn't that I was like, I was just like, okay, shoot, man. Like, yeah. I guess I'm going to do it. But the reason I didn't want to do it is because I just didn't want to be the one. I wanted it to really look like all of us. And I just I couldn't get people to do it. So, so now, I mean, now you're all over, now you're creating content all the time. And, and even for your, your own uh, kind of brand, especially on TikTok, um, and like you still find time to, to create the content. And I, I assume that you're creating it on your own, or I mean, uh, at least some of it, how did I like, what, what, uh, what made you get on spe uh, specifically TikTok. TikTok? And why do you think like other people, especially at your level sleep on it? Okay. This is such good questions. Uh, TikTok. The reason I got on TikTok is because it was the first platform that was new that I hadn't built a following on in my past career. So, you know, when skateboarding ended for me, and this was after St. Archer, I had half a million followers on Instagram already. I had 600,000 followers on, on Facebook. I had all these followings. And so what I had to do was take this audience that knew me as one thing and move it into a whole different category, knowing that most of them did not want to hear or have interest on finance, right? Like money is something you don't talk about with skateboarding. Uh, and that was hard to do. That took me, gosh, probably five years of turning that kind of platform to where now people like actually are like, this is pretty rad. Two years of like, shut the F up. Yeah. Uh, and then when TikTok came, I was like, oh my gosh, I get to start new. And so TikTok was the first platform where people didn't know me as a pro skateboarder. There was no skateboard content. And then what was cool is like, now I get messages from like, kids who recognize me as the pro skateboarder 
And, you know, they'll jump in the comments, go, does anyone here know that this is Mikey Taylor, the pro skateboarder? It's like, I, I like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even know that you were a professional skateboarder when I, when you first came across my for you page talking about, you know, compound interest, financial right. literacy and everything like that started following you started watching a lot of your, uh, content. <clears throat> and, uh, so I love that. It, yeah, <laughs> like, well, I, yeah. And then I just did more research and then I was like, holy shit, right. you know, like, uh, you were a really huge game changer in terms of skateboarding. I mean, you were uh, a really recognizable uh, player in that industry. Right. Um, so why don't other people use it yet? TikTok. Yeah. yeah I mean, why do you Why do you think other people uh, sleep on it? So, look, most people are not ahead of the curve, right? Most people wait until everyone's doing, and then they do it. Uh, yeah. So that's one. Two. Most people can only see a platform in the use case that it currently has, right? Like TikTok right. for a long time was viewed as, you know, a music slash dance platform for children, right? Yeah. And, it, and, and it's very similar to how Instagram was for like the older folks, right? Like when Instagram was created, it was a freaking photography app. Yeah. Right. And some people were able to go, oh my gosh, this is going to be the new means of visual uh, communication, right? Mm -hmm. Same exact thing with TikTok. It's just people weren't able to see that this was going to transcend this this kid dance bop thing, and this was going to move into becoming the next platform that everyone is using. Yeah, you know, to highlight real life or business, etc. And so I just basically went, I'm going to throw this this educational content when the kids are dancing. But most people don't. They, they still think it's a, a kid dance platform. Then yeah. you move into like my world of private equity, right? Most people in private equity create content or it's not even creating content because a lot of them don't. A lot of their purpose in marketing is to get investors, right? And so they'll, they'll, their view of TikTok is like, there's no investors on TikTok. Yeah. Like, what is this 18-year-old kid going to write me a half a million dollar check? No. But what they're missing is there are a lot of people, business owners, there's every single niche now on TikTok. And then uh, now what I tell them, like, guys, we raise a ton of money on TikTok. They're like blown away. Are you kidding? So yeah. it's just, look, it's going to take time. Instagram took time too. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, the only reason why I bring that up is because I saw that, that, uh, one video of yours, I think I stitched it, uh, actually. And, uh, you were talking about, you know, the power of TikTok, uh, Brian Turner raising over $40 million right. off of TikTok and, and, and just content in general. Right. You know, if you wanting to build a personal brand, definitely get on TikTok. Um, and I mean, I think you're right with all of those points. And even, um, I think there's another thing, which is like the learning curve too. It's like, you know, no one really knows how to edit, uh, the TikToks correctly or produce the TikToks correctly. What was, what was kind of like the learning curve for you? How did you learn all of that? How to edit and kind of like how to create a video. So, so you know, I've like skate with skateboarding, like we're really involved in uh, like when we're filming these video parts, we're working like one on one with the, the filmer and the editor. Like mm -hmm. we're we're kind of like taught how to create something aesthetically pleasing and exciting, et cetera. Right. So I was always kind of in tune with that. Uh, and then Instagram, I was like, OK, we're like editing little skate videos of us in, in, on Instagram. OK, I got that. What was weird or what was different was I didn't understand TikTok's platform and I got, uh, how would you say it, soft, I guess, 
<laughs> off this this notion of I had a following from being a pro skateboarder. And so I would create content for an audience that already knew me and already liked me. And my content would engage because they were there to see me be a pro skateboarder, right? TikTok does not work that way. So like, I'm just putting out content that usually performs on Instagram and my shit is going nowhere, right? Like it took me, gosh, three months to get past 10 followers, like 10, three months to get past 10. I've got freaking over a million followers combined <laughs> on other platforms. I can't get anyone over to TikTok. You're still and grinding at it. I'm, 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 I yeah. not, I'm like pissed off that it's not working. And so I'm just trying everything, right? <laughs> I love it. And then all of a sudden I get a video that gets like 9 million views, right? I have I have 10 followers, a video that's 9 million views. All of a sudden I'm like, oh, now I'm at 10,000 followers, right? And it happened like that. That is not what Instagram does, right? Instagram was this slow grind of consistent content for 10 years and your followers slowly going up. And so I was like, oh, I just need to like have videos hit, I guess. Yeah. And so uh, then I just start putting out videos and, you know, I'd have one that do would do well and then I have like 20 that wouldn't get any views. And I just kept trying to freaking figure it out. And then finally, Matt Gracia called me. And he's like, dude, you are so slept on. Your yeah. content is so good. But like, you shouldn't have this range of like 100,000 views, 40 views, mm -hmm. a million views, 2,000 views. This is too much of a, of, a, of a swing. And so he was like, let me try some stuff with you. So he was like, look, try stacking your content this way and try doing this. And then I started doing it and then there was a little, a little bit more consistency where I would have a video that would go like more viral, but I wouldn't have these videos that would get like 300 views, you know? Yeah. So what was the, what was like the, the pivoting, um, kind of strategy there? What was like <clears throat> the main thing to, to really focus on to get those consistent views? Okay. So I'm going to give you the answer, but remind me to follow up with something that's very important because there's a big trap that we can get into when creating content. But okay. basically, I looked at creating content as just what value could I add? And if I'm adding more value, my video should be getting more views. That was kind of my mindset. That is right. not how content creation works. Basically, you have to think of it through the lens of like your generation, right? Like you guys are flipping through your phone so freaking fast, right? Yep. And you're trying to just get somebody to stop for a second on you, right? So the first thing out of your mouth has to get somebody to stop, right? Then once you get them to stop, you have them for like a millisecond. And so you need to get them to go, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so you're like inching them along almost, right? And the value actually you don't hit them with till the end. So I change from this idea of like just give them value from beginning to end. And now it's like get them to stop, inch them away, then hit them with the value at the end. And, and then it was like <laughs> way more views, you know. Now yeah. the thing to, to be mindful of though. Uh, it, it's very easy to just start chasing views and then you like stop worrying about actually adding value. So mm -hmm. it's really good to know is uh, to know or keep in mind that you want a certain stack, but you have to focus on value first. If you get stuck in this lane of like, just give me views before you know it, you're going to have views and be completely irrelevant at the same time. It's like, yeah, what's it's like being famous and being broke. Like, yeah. what? Dude, there's so many good points there. I mean, starting off with number one with like adding value, obviously just add as 
much value as you possibly can, but that is not just it. I mean, there's tons of people that are adding value. Um, You have to figure out, you know, a a unique way of providing it. You have to throw your authenticity out there and, and you, in order to keep that authenticity, you can't just be chasing the views and the followers and everything like that, or else that's just going to die. And then you brought up a good point with like getting them hooked. You know, that first one to three seconds of your video is, is, is 98% of your video performance. But what is just as important is the five to seven seconds after that, because a lot of people hook them and then they flop. And then so and I I noticed that with a lot of your videos, you know, you'll uh, you'll you'll hook them in and then it's that curiosity aspect and you're getting value, you know, nuggets of value here, here, here. And then you're really getting into the value. So I think that's a that's a good really uh, it's a really good strategy and just trying as new uh, trying as many things as you possibly can, you know, value first. okay, value uh, in the middle, maybe or at the end, Um, different hooks, different styles of hooks, things like that. Right. I agree. Yeah. I mean, even with um, even with TikTok, it, it can be really confusing. I I, I just think I think the one thing that is really slept on though is just consistency. I mean, noticed how you went three months and got ten ten followers, and you were still going. It's the same thing with my Coach Stone account. I posted fifty, sixty videos. Not one of them got over a thousand views. I was like, what the hell? I have another account that's getting thousands of views, and all these videos I think are pretty good. Um, and then I posted one more after that. That one got like a million or two two million views. And then what's funny is I'll repost those 50, 60 videos, and then those went viral. So, again, you could have the best content in the world, but the algorithms, you know, might be screwing you over. Yeah, I think there's a I, – I think you're right. I think there's an element of, like, timing and luck in a sense. Mm-hmm. But if you figure out how to create good content, you're going to have more chances of going viral. Everything you're throwing out to the algorithm is good. And then when it picks it up, it's going to go wild instead of throwing out like. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 10 videos and maybe one's good and nine suck and one of those crappy ones hits the algorithm at the right time what well, sucks it's not going anywhere then the gem you created just happened to hit at the wrong time and it flops it's just 100 yeah they figured something out here that we don't totally know you know i uh i developed this kind of like a, a analogy of like um this baseball analogy of tiktok so um when you when you swing, that's you posting a video, and your swing form is the the form of the video, the structure of the video, right? And so one thing, like two things that you can really only control is posting the video and then the structure of the video, swinging right. the bat and then the form of the swing. Right. But you can have you could be swinging all day, and your form is all the you know really really good, but that pitch might not be really good, you know. And that pitch is that algorithm is that perfect timing, and but when that perfect pitch comes or just a semi-perfect pitch and you got great form, you're going to knock it out of the park. Right. So I think, yeah, I think, um, I just kind of developed that. And, um, so that's why I just, I always preach just, just post, just post, just swing, just swing and just get better at that swing. Um, I like that. That's good. What? Yeah. Thank you. It's the, uh, what, 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 um, 
So in terms of just like the editing or like even video uh, recording, is there a particular like how did how did you learn about the editing and everything? Was it just the you know ten minute YouTube tutorial or was it just again over a series of videos? You just kind of got a gist of like okay, add a caption here, boom, boom, boom. Uh, I just well the the how to use the tool is different than seeing what works and what doesn't work, right? Yeah. Uh, I just started. Pay, I, I just started paying attention. It was just like, okay, what is everyone else doing? Where are people adding? Whether it's captions or, uh, is it called captions? Everything you add yeah. to the screen would that yeah. be a caption, yeah. right? Like, why are why are people introducing captions and not the uh, subtitles, right? Why are mm -hmm. they doing these pop ups and not subtitles? Oh, maybe this works, right? Like, I just basically started watching and observing and then trying to take it and do. You know, it and makes then it total just, sense. Yeah, it's, it's just so, okay. I started figuring out. Like, well, I just I think I think a lot of people um, that is a big like kind of roadblock for them. It's like, oh, well, I don't know how to make a video. Well, it's, it's like you're literally a, a YouTube tutorial away from like learning all the features and kind of like how to do it. And then from there, that's just the beginning. You you really have to analyze how the videos are, are being produced and like what works and what's what's not. Right, right. What you're what you're really talking about is uh, a a flaw in the way that we either teach or raise our kids to figure out how things are done on their own, right? Because that's a very common thing, even with what you just said. Like, it's very common to hear somebody go, I don't know how to do this, right? No one should ever say, I don't know how to. They should always say, I don't know how to do this yet. It's such a simple kind of hack, right? But we don't teach kids that. So it's like they come to something, I don't know how to do this, I just won't do it, right? Mm -hmm. so here's and something I think... I think Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go, no, no, go ahead. As I said, here's something that I think everybody should remember. You have two options always. You either educate yourself or you hire the education. Those are always your two options, right? If you're going to educate yourself, all of the information is out there. You just have to take the small step to learn and then do. Your other thing is there's a bunch of professionals or experts or whatever you want to call them that are doing it. If you don't want to waste your time and you have the resources available, hire those people out and have them do it. Two options get you to where you want to go. I don't want to hear that. I don't know how to do it. It's it's, it's not the right thing. <laughs> yeah, you know? I know. I'm I'm the same way. I'm like, uh, and it's 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 the same thing with investing too. I, I get so many kids saying, "How do I invest? How do I how do I put my money into into stocks?" I'm like, "Well, that's just the beginning part. You know, setting up your brokerage account, putting in the ticker symbol, buying a share. That's just the beginning." You know, it's really uh, which company is, is going to perform well, which index fund is going to perform well, what is an index fund, what is an ETF, right. all these sorts of things. Um, this is a, a pretty good segue into like financial literacy. What a, I mean, we both kind of talk about financially liter uh, financial literacy a lot. What it, What is like the, the, the first thing that you really kind of, uh, or maybe like the top three things you kind of uh, hammer down for someone that is maybe just starting or hasn't, you know, put their money to work yet? One of the biggest hurdles I see now, this and this one's kind of alarming, uh, the percentage of people that think that this is not available to them or no matter how hard they try, they will never have. It, it's actually growing at kind of an alarming rate, uh, which I think is scary. So the very first thing I always start with is this is possible. You can become financially independent, right? Uh, and then the second thing I go into is that it's going to take time. 
And so before I go into actual tactics, it's like, mm-hmm. I want to try to create the foundation so that you have a sound fit foundation. So then once you actually act, you're not doing some crazy dumb investing. And then six months from now you're broke, right? So I'll talk about it being possible. I'll talk about it taking time. And that's something that is completely contrarian to what our culture is right now, right? Our culture right now is you deserve everything now. Why do you have to wait? And it's it's everything against delayed gratification. Well, with investing, anytime you run in with this instant, I need now, you're going to get smoked. No way around it. You, you are going to get hit and blasted and you might not be able to get up. So in order, in my perspective, to succeed with investing, you have to have a long-term mindset to do so. And what that really means is you have to become good at controlling this inner ego and, and really controlling fear and greed so that your emotions don't get in the way of your money. Then once you have that kind of ready, I start going uh, through the concepts of planning your dollars, right? Like how many dollars do you have coming in? How are we gonna create a percentage of that to be taken out of your spending capability and put into your savings and then put it into your investing, right? That's not easy to do. Most people don't wanna budget. Most people don't wanna tell dollars where to go, right? Mm-hmm. Then once you get to the point of, okay, I've got my long-term mindset, right? Uh, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm controlling my, my emotions. I, I know this is possible. I have my 20%, 30%, whatever you're going to have available each month, right? Then you go into, what do I invest in, right? Uh, I, I'll usually kind of walk people through how to figure out what their goals are, right? What are your short-term goals and what are your long-term goals? And so are we going too far in the weeds right now? No, no. Keep going. Okay. Yeah. So so usually like you could look at like a short-term goal as something in the next five years, right? And for most people, I would say in their early to mid-20s, uh, a short-term goal is typically a house. I want to buy a house. Right? Yeah. So I'll kind of say, look, if you have, you know, short-term goals over the next five years and you need that cash available, we're not going to lock up that cash into something that you might not be able to pull out because there was you know, a correction in the market, et cetera. So let's figure out what you need for the next five. Then on our long-term goals, then we could look at what, what we can do with these, right? Are there opportunities that will help you with tax efficiency, right? Do you have a employer that's going to match a, a 401k? Yes. Okay. Well, that's a, a potential opportunity. You can get a hundred percent guaranteed return. If they're going to match you, you can get some, some tax deduction, um, or, or bring down your taxable, uh, income that can help, but this is long-term far out money. So is that an option? And then you look at like, what type of investments do you want to make? Um, stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that, I mean, that's, that's a, a really good, uh, overview and kind of good way to go about it. I mean, especially building that psychology of money, wealth, long-term investing first, um, so that way, you know, you don't get that fear, uncertainty and doubt when times are tough, like like now in terms of, you know, stocks or, or, or crypto. Um, right. right. And then also like really understanding what you're investing into. So that way, when it times do get tough, it's time to buy and, and get it at a discount rather than rather than sell. Right. And, and, and it's it's so interesting, right? Because we all hear buy the dip, buy the dip, buy the yeah. dip. Right. But the hard part is. If you don't know what the value of the, let's just say stock or, or we're talking, let's do stock. That's a little bit easier. I think 
if you don't know the value of the stock or the intrinsic value of the stock, right, that doesn't mean it's always a good idea to buy when it's down, right? A stock could be down and still not be a stock you should buy and, and vice versa, right? So you want to kind of understand what the value is. Now, the next thing to say is, and, and I think what's Warren's quote on this one, right? 99% of people should just invest in, you know, low cost index yeah. funds. It's like, if you don't want to do the research and due diligence to understand each individual stock you're going to make, invest in a fund, invest in the yeah. overall index and just, you know, you could do your dollar cost averaging and just, you know, consistently and systematically put money in. That's, that's, that's a decent option for a, a majority or a good amount of people. 100%. And another thing that like Warren says, um, that you were talking about in terms of like emotions is Warren, Warren is like, some people should just not even be investing because their emotions are so high to where they, that impacts, you know, uh, their investing decisions. And that's where that, uh, that index fund kind of piece of advice really comes into play of just like setting it and forgetting it. Uh, Tony Robbins says it all the time, act as if it's a tax and we're just going to put it away, let it grow uh, and let it compound. Uh, speaking of compound interest, kind of, um, what, it, how do you best convey the value or, or the, the power of compound interest, especially to someone that's, that's, that's young, that probably doesn't under really understand it. You know, the, uh, probably the best way to actually show somebody that's young is either like pull up like a compound interest calculator and show them what money would do yeah. over time or like the magic penny. Like if anybody ha hasn't read the compound effect, it's a great book. But he basically builds out the scenario where you can either pick, gosh, I can't even remember the breakdown, but it's like three million today or, you know, one penny that doubles in value every day for 31 days. Yeah. Right? And if I'm off a little bit, it's because I, I, haven't, I haven't looked at this book in a couple of years, but most people would take the three million dollars because it looks so significantly larger than the one penny. Right. But when the penny turns into two pennies and then the next day it turns into four and then you watch this thing get to like, let's call it 20 days. The three million is still way larger than, you know, 20 days in. But those last five days is where this thing starts going bonkers because then you yeah. get to your, you know, 500 grand. Then you're at a million. Then you're at two and four. And basically the difference when it's all said and done is like if you would have picked a penny, it'd be like 10 million bucks versus the three yeah. or something like that. Right. Now I, I've never found freaking doubling penny in the universe, <laughs> but but that's how compound interest works. Uh, it's it's money earning money on money or interest on interest. It's it's phenomenal, but it takes time. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, you made a you made a good video on on your TikTok about this and kind of talking about how Tony Robbins kind of uh, um, lays it out. I think he he said something along the lines of just you know um, putting two three hundred dollars a month into a in, uh, index fund or an ETF that produces, you know, eight to 10% uh, a year and just set it and forget it. And about, you know, 30, 30, 35 years, you'll have over a million dollars. Um, and, you know, people listening and watching saying 30, 40 years. Well, I mean, if you're 18, 30 years, that's 48. If you're right. 20, you know, 30 years is 50. So you're, 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 uh, you're retiring a lot earlier. Right. And I think that's just the biggest thing is just like investing consistency, uh, investing for as long as you can, for as consistent as you can, and as, as much as you can, because if it's more than a penny, 
right. I mean, it's just it's it's okay. just going to grow a lot more, and and to utilize that time is is crucial. I'll give you a use case, a real life use case scenario of how powerful this could be. Uh, when when we started our storage portfolio, this was a long time ago. Now this was it's been twenty something years. Um, the original investor that put in a hundred thousand dollars one time, hundred thousand dollars, right? To date, they've gotten back almost a million dollars of actual cash in their pocket, and still have about a million dollars of growth. So a hundred thousand dollars over time was able to turn into about two million dollars in you know the twenty. 20 years or so. Mm-hmm. So it's like this thing just starts getting crazy on itself, but you've got to be patient and let yeah. time do its thing. Well, and then back to your earlier point um, about having cash there for the opportunities like that of having, you know, um, a couple thousand dollars or even a hundred thousand dollars and making that big play to, to get a better ROI of your money instead of just like the eight to 10% on an index fund. Right. So it's, it's being patient with, uh, your, you know, your cash reserves too. And, um, really looking out for those deals, especially in, in a time like this. Right. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to also talk about like, uh, you were talking about, you weren't really interested in, in money. Uh, and then, you know, the, the market kind of shifted. It, it was dropping a lot. Fear was getting in there. And then you started really get interested. What do you think it, I don't want that to happen in order for someone to get in, uh, encouraged to learn about money. Right. How do you, how do you like kind of encourage people to start learning about money now instead of when their back is against the wall? Well, everyone's going to get hit differently, right? Yeah. Like I, I and, and look, I'll say this. When I say I wasn't interested, what I mean was I, I, I wasn't making, uh, my whole entire world around financial literacy or becoming financially literate. I, put people in place. So I was hiring the education, but I just wasn't like in a position where I just want to soak up everything and all. It, it just took me time to get there. Yeah. Uh, I would say at, at least, right? We all have to use money. We all do. We all have to figure out how to manage it correctly. So you can either educate yourself now and get ahead of the curve and be further off than everyone around you, or you can wait and basically try to chase everybody, right? If you figure this thing out early though, then opportunity happens like a financial crisis. Uh, the growth that you can have in those moments, it's hard to find that in any other time. It's just, that's where I think the majority of opportunity is. So it's, mm-hmm. the choice is yours. You wanna get on yeah. this game and start making money, uh, start educating yourself. 100%. Or and then- hire the team to do so. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, a question that a lot of people want, probably want to know, uh, does money buy happiness? Last time I said this, I got some heat for it. Uh, (laughs) I was on Taylor's show and she asked me this question. The video went freaking off. Um, I, 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 I was a no on this one. I was a hard no on this one. Uh, it was Brad that hit me with the, the cycle, the, the fricking studies, right? And what Dr. Brad says is there's a certain point where more money does bring happiness. Like if, if you're in a scenario where it, it's, it's real poverty and you are just scraping to survive and it's barely happening, more money coming in that allows you to get out of that. Like I'm going to, you know, I can't do this or else you are going to get happiness from that. 
But then there's going to be a point in which more money doesn't bring any more happiness, right? For that point on, I don't think so. I really don't. It's like I've been 18 years old with nothing and loved my life and enjoyed skateboarding with my friends every day. I've been a millionaire and and been lost and didn't know what to do. It, it, yeah. It's, you know, if money bought happiness, every billionaire would be, you know, the most joyful person out there. That's not yeah. what we see. We typically see the most successful people being the most broken and the most lost. And so I, I don't see the correlation uh, in that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, uh, I completely, are you, I mean, let's look, let's look at at you and I, am I any more happy than you are? I don't, I don't think so. I'm pretty happy right now. Right. But, (laughs) but, but if, if money, if money was the deciding factor, I should be more happy than you right now. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Why aren't we? Because there's things in our life that make us happy, right? Mm-hmm. We have family, we have friends, we have purpose, we have it, it, money. Just I don't, I don't think it does it. Yeah, but I think you do have a good point it, to an extent, right? I mean, the family, the friends, the doing what you like, whether it be going out, playing around a golf, or watching right. sports, or whatever it is. Uh, if you're not able to do that, if you know, it might be because of money, you know, you might right. be working all the time, you know, and nine to five, you won't, you can't go out and hang out with your friends or go to vacation. So at that point, yeah, I do think that money buys happiness because you would be more happy doing that than your job. So, I mean, yeah, it, to an extent. And then, you know, but here's your pushback though. Yeah. What's, 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 what's forcing you to continue doing that job? Do you not have a choice to go do something you enjoy? You have the choice, right? Why don't Why don't people Why don't you think people um, make the choice to leave or or, of, or make a change? Because of comfort and security. Most people would rather have comfort and security than than happiness or potential of of, of life change because it's it's risk. Yeah. Right. Why I. I, I human behavior, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, think about it. It's something that we wrestle with all the time. You, you I, myself, anyone who's in business, it's like we're constantly trying to stop ourselves from becoming comfortable. Mm-hmm. Because when we become comfortable, which our bodies are fighting for, we flatline, right? 100%. So it's like, it's all of us. You just have to be aware of that issue. But, uh, you know, as you get older and you get married, if we have kids, you bring on more responsibility, There's there's have a different type of risk that you're assessing because now you're like, Hey, look, if I take this risk and it, and it fails, it's only me who's, who's out there trying to eat. Now, if I do, it's, it's my kids and my wife. So it's, you know, as you get older, it gets harder to do stuff like that. So you kind of got to figure it out. I think somewhat early, uh, or there might be more risk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why I I just try to take as many risks as I possibly can calculated risks. Um, you know, but like when, when I was just starting out, I mean, I was trying everything. I didn't know what was going to work, what I liked, what I didn't like. I was literally trying everything from drop shipping, print on demand, Amazon FBA. Uh, I did affiliate marketing, content creation, and content creation sticked. And then, you know, I got really big into crypto, stocks, finance, everything like that, um, and just inspired me to to create content. Um, let's talk a little bit about just uh, investments real quick. Is there any kind of investments or, or what, what, what's kind of like your investment strategy for uh, for this dip moving forward? What are you really looking at? Things like that. Yeah, good question. Uh, the, okay. If 
if this thing gets as rough as it can, yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot of great companies that come out of this. So I, it's the same thing that happened after 2008. I, I mean, all, all of our favorite tech companies now were birthed out of that moment. So yeah. there's going to be some cool creation. Um, right now, the majority of our energy on the investment side, it, it's it's going into apartments right now. It's you know, in, in a lot of areas, there's just not enough supply. There's not enough residents, and so yeah. I look at that as an opportunity. It's just uh, it's a difficult opportunity because of what's going on with interest rates, right? So you have a moment where you know that there's demand because of the supply issue. We've done a terrible job building, but there's interest rates rising, which is bringing uncertainty. But I have the mindset of at, 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 at bare minimum, right? We go to, to the most simplest terms, supply and demand, there's demand for this product. And I think there's gonna be demand for this product for the next 10 years. So if all it is is interest rates potentially moving and people are being fearful, how can we find an opportunity that will give us that demand 10 years from now to put us in a position where our asset won't become challenged with these interest rates, we're buying right, not over leveraging. I, I'm in on this ride, so I, I think for the next ten years, I'm going to have a big focus on on you know more residential units coming online. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean, um, and it's funny. It's like especially with something like this, it it actually favors uh, the wealthy to to take a to take advantage of multifamily apartments and things like that. And then rent tends to go up um, and people don't have enough money or whatever to, to buy a house. So they tend to rent and it all goes to the, the people at top at the top. Um, that's the pro that's the, that's the problem that is yeah. really going to become a, a thing after this one. Yeah. I well, and I think a, a lot a, of a wealth, right? Yeah. I think a lot of institutions too, are just, taking on so many properties. So it's you ready be... for this one? This one, this is, this is something scary. And I, we're, we're, I'm, I'm seeing this happen in real time, right? Uh, we primarily, from an investor standpoint, we primarily deal with, uh, retail investors. We don't deal with a lot of institutional investors, but we do have uh, a good amount of like high net worth individuals. And I have friends that are operating large, large, I mean, one of my closest friends runs one of the largest storage operations in the nation like his investors are like the, the, the big ones, right? Yeah. And you're seeing retail investors act completely different than the institutional investors right now, right? Retail investors are going, whoa, what's going on? Institutional investors are going double and triple down right now. It, it is, they're, they have so much money and they're looking for, for uh, assets to put money into and you're seeing them look for alternatives right now. And so it, it's, it, it, it's scary to me, right? You yeah, have I mean, our, us, right? The retail investor that's looking at the moment right now, and you have them that are looking at 10, 10, 15, 20 plus years out. Their time horizon is so long that they're playing a different game than us. So know, yeah. it, it's like, it's hard to see that the wealth gap isn't going to get so significantly stretched during this downturn. So true. I mean, and such a great point to even uh, hammer down the, the long-term like perspective of, of investing and, and that mindset. Um, and it's just, it's so interesting to see kind of the difference between, you know, people that are like, I don't know, I don't know where, you know, might lose some more money here. And then the guy, the big guy saying, no, no, this is our time to make, you know, massive amounts of money. Um, those are all great points. I mean, uh, I think that's a, that's a really good, uh, way to, 
way to end it off. Do you have anything for me? Any questions or anything? <laughs> but how, who, 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 how did you get here at 18, dude? <laughs> and you weren't homeschooled? Uh, no, I was, I was in high school and then, uh, um, normal school. No. You, you went through the public, public yep. school. What? Well, you are a unicorn, dude. How, <laughs> do you have, what? Tell me about your circle. Is everyone in yeah. your school trying to be around you? What? No. This is, uh, yeah. So I'll tell I'll, I'll tell you. So it's, it's very interesting. It's like, um, I was just a normal kid, played hockey for my you know entire life. And then, uh, Fast forward to, to COVID, um, had a lot of time on my hands, stopped playing ho- like travel hockey. Um, and I was just like, oh, shit, like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, it's junior year. We're all online. I'm not social, can't socialize, can't really do anything. Um, and I was like, I, I was really, really stressed. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Um, but this is one thing that I think was the most beneficial thing for me was uh, seeing my dad actually work at home, work his mm. ass off. Mm. And then being able to do what he actually likes to do, which is, you know, hang out with his boys, go out and play golf, have a nice day at the pool. And that's when he like really loves it. And then to see him work and just work his ass off and obviously not really enjoy it. That really gave me the drive and motivation and the why and the strong enough reason to be like, okay, I need to get off my ass and I really need to get going. Mm. Um, I need to, I need to start learning about money, all this real estate stocks. I've been telling myself that I wanted to be getting into it all the time, but I haven't yeah. been really been doing anything. Um, I need to get down to the nitty gritty. So I, you know, started reading books, started watching a lot of podcasts and YouTube videos. Um, and then I was like, Oh, well, for majority of these things, I was really hooked on real estate in the beginning, but then right. I was like, well, you, you need some, you need some money to be a real Take, game changer in real estate. So I was like, time. okay, here's my thought. A lot of these influencers and everyone's talking about drop shipping and how you can make so much money here. Um, I'm going to do this, make a bunch of money, go into real estate when I turn 18 and it's right. just going to be amazing. Well, that obviously didn't happen because, uh, I, <laughs> didn't I happen yet. Yeah. I, I, uh, realized the truth of drop shipping and e-commerce real quick. Um, when I started and, but I'm so glad I did start, you know, so I did drop shipping. I did Amazon FBA print on demand, all of them failed with all of them. I mean, right. didn't really make too much. Um, and then I was like, okay, I need to step up, step behind, you know, like step away, really focus on grades. Cause I want, I want to really make sure that my grades are good. So that way, if I need to go to college, I can go to college, but I didn't want to go to college because I knew that it was just probably going to be uh, a waste of my time. And then another, just four years of me just doing the same shit. And so, then after, so when you so, graduate, that's have you graduated yet from high school? Yeah. So I graduated high school and, and that's it. no, no yeah, college, well, <laughs> no college, but, um, so I was focusing on my grades and then I got really big into investing, financial literacy, compound interest was uh, when I realized the compound interest calculator, my whole life shifted. And I was like, holy shit, what am I, what am I doing? Uh, you know, messing around with all this drop shipping stuff when I can work a minimum wage job, invest all the money and then retire yeah. in 20, 30 years. Right. Um, and so that's what I did. I got a job working four days a week, uh, making about 800 bucks a month. And I was like, let's go. I'm investing everything like literally. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then I'm like, other kids should know about this. So I started creating content and then really did well on TikTok. And then I'm like, TikTok is amazing. Other people should should uh, start TikTok. So I started Coach Stone. Um, and then that did really well, grew to like 100,000 followers in less than two months. Um, and then at that time, I just turned 18. I was able to monetize and really create my own business around my TikToks. Um, and then at that point, I was making five figures a month 
going into senior year and I was just like, I just need to build this thing so I don't have to go to college. Right. Um, and so got a scholarship. And then did w- I, did yeah. I see just, just, maybe it was just recently you made six figures. Is uh, that right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, around, Am I making this up? Did I see a video on, on that? Yeah, I mean, I make, I make, uh, I make six figures a year for sure. Ooh. I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, sick. I will. I, well, I, so I, I, I get a scholarship from WP Carey Business School for like entrepreneurship, and I'm like, well, I'm already an entrepreneur, so I'm like, that's that's useless. Um, and then you know, my mom and dad are like, no, we we saved all this money for you your entire life. Like you can go, we'll pay for it. I'm like, no, you guys keep the money. Like I want you to keep the money. Like I want you guys to retire now. This is the reason why I did all of this. Um, and so yeah, and then I just started creating, kept creating content. Um, and then yeah, I mean, I I was I was really set from the get go of like no not going to college. When I re- received that first kind of month's worth of pay, I was just like. This well, there's, you, there's way more potential here. Well, you're you're doing business now. What, you, you're going to go to school so some teacher can teach you about business who never ran a business himself. <laughs> exactly. What, what, why? You're doing yeah, it. Exactly. You know? I, awesome. Well, I mean, even in high school, I was in like business 102. I skipped business 101 because I don't know. I just I just went right to 102. But it was awesome. Um, and then I went like in in e, uh, economics and stuff like that. And in those classes, I was like, I know all of this. And the teachers know that I know all this because the teachers know me. You know, right. so so right. it's just it's just very ironic. Um, and That's epic, uh, dude. That's yeah, so cool. it's it's amazing. And then now, you know, I'm, I, I uh, the the money thing is like. I really needed to make money to really convince my parents that I didn't know, need to go to college. But that right. is not really what I'm focused on. I'm really right. focused on networking and just right. knowledge because those right. are two things that will monetize forever. Right. Um, right. You know, Tom Bilyeu action. Uh, and, yeah. and it's true. It's like if you have knowledge and connections, those will monetize forever. But if, you know, if you're just really focused on money, um, money will come and go. You know, and when it leaves and you have no knowledge or connections, like, what are you going to do from there? You're starting literally from rock bottom again. And that's what I'm seeing with a lot of the crypto traders, the stock traders. They're just, you know, um, basically doing the same trades as everyone else. And then, you know, a market like this happens. Now they're down to zero and they just had 100K. But, you know, um, so, yeah, Yeah, that's kind of like my little my little story. Good for you. Great work. That's so encouraging. That's that's your you're in a, a powerful position, man. You're it, for other kids your age to see you do it is uh, that's that's more inspiring than anything I could do. That's it's you're you've got a big responsibility in front of you. I love it. Yeah, thank you. I and that's one thing that I realized because I was trying to inspire everyone, you know, but yeah. um yeah, with with my content and everything, but then I realized uh, the only way to inspire someone is just to do. You know, right. and, and then and then they figure it out. Okay, he's on to something here. Right. Um, and uh, you know, I think you know from that, I've uh, I would like to think that I've inspired you know like my brother to create content, and now he's doing really well. Um, trying to get my dad on on the content creation guy grind. Um, but I've just not only people that are uh, close to me, but people that are not really necessarily close to me. I know I've inspired so. That's, that's the, that's the most important thing Dude, Good work. That's so Thank awesome. You. Thank you. Heck yeah. Um, 
So everyone, thank you so much for listening and watching. Mikey, thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, like the video, comment any questions that you have down below, and uh, check out Mikey's stuff all in, in the description down below as well as mine. Uh, thank you so much for watching and listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.